You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Okay, this morning we want to look into the Word of God. We started looking at Judges chapter 6 last Sunday and um, I was praying to the Lord and thinking that we would go forward to something else, but I believe that the Lord wanted us to glean quite a, a lot of things from the account of Gideon and what the Lord did with him. So we're going to be going back there to take a few things, lessons that we're going to learn from there. But truly, what I know the conclusion of what the Lord wants you to leave church with today is that he is the Lord and he knows what to do. He is the Lord and he knows what to do. So whatever and however the study goes, just know that this is what the Lord wants you to hear. I don't know what circumstance, I don't know what situation, I don't know what your experience has been, but the Lord said, I am the Lord and I know what to do. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise Jesus. On Sunday we stopped at Judges 6 and um, I think we stopped at verse 16. This morning we're going to start from Judges 6.25 and then we're going to go down to Judges chapter 7 and just learn a few things from this story. How many of us read through the story like I advised us to do? You know, we're jumping as we're, you know, learning on Sunday. If you, if you come and the pastor says, read this, it is extra meat for you. It will bless you. It will strengthen you. Praise the Lord. It's very important because sometimes we may not have the time to go deep into all the things and we mention them in passing. Okay. Judges 6.25, I read. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. 26. And build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock, in the proper arrangement. And take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. 27. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Praise the Lord. Okay, last Sunday, let me just give a big tough background. We began to, you know, conclude on what we were learning, that the Lord is good, the devil is evil, and man is what? Naive or very gullible, okay? And we saw the practical application of this in the life of the man called Gideon. Gideon was a man that heaven had said he is a mighty man of valor. He had been chosen to be the one that would deliver Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Okay? In fact, the way the word of the Lord came to him, he says, you shall deliver Israel from the Midianites as one man, which means you are the only critical factor. Praise the Lord. He says, you are enough. Tell your neighbor, with God, you are enough. Because oftentimes, life puts us in situations, and we're looking here and there, if this person can do this, if that person can do that. But many times, we fail to understand that with God, 
All that a man needs is God to be for him. And the Bible says, if God be for us, what? Who can be against us? God with you is more than enough. Praise God. Anyway, but this Gideon, for a long time, was living his life believing that he was the smallest, the least in his father's house. And his father's house was what? The least in the tribe. And the tribe was the least in Israel. So he was least to power three. That's what he believed. But we look at this story and read the word of God, and we see that everything he believed about himself was false. That's why you must read your Bible. Praise the Lord. Because when you read the Bible, you know the truth. And our Lord Jesus Christ says, you shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? The truth shall set you free. Free from what? Free from the lies and the wiles and the deception of the devil. You know the truth, it sets you free. This man believed that, and we also learned that a man's reality is a function of the truth of God's words he believes and what? The lies of the devil that he also accepts or believes. And we now see this in practical manifestation in Gideon's life. The Bible says he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Wheat is supposed to be threshed on a hilltop so that the wind can blow the chaff away. Wine presses are normally in the valley so that the water or rather the juice from the wine can be gathered into the lowest place. So because he believed wrongly, he was also living his life upside down. Somebody's life will get the right side up in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Yes, you see, and the truth about it is that when you believe something, you will defend it. You will support it. You will now begin to bring facts and arguments to support it. Okay, I think I mentioned, um, you know, maybe a young lady that is a prostitute. You see, what this lady convinces herself is that there is no way the country is hard. There is nothing for me to do. Whereas I can tell you, in countries where there is welfare, if you don't have a job, if they put you on welfare, they pay you an allowance, they even give you accommodation. They are still prostitutes. Somebody say he's doing this because countries are. No, the devil has convinced you that you're not better than that. But when you look into the word of God and see who God says you are. I remember many years ago, I think Momichi was counseling a, a lady that administered to a prostitute. And said to the lady, if you knew you would be a governor's wife in 20 years' time or 15 years' time, will you carry out this profession? So that someday somebody sees you first lady. Say, yeah, that one not my customer before. And I mean, all of a sudden, it dawned on her that she's better than that. You see, what the enemy persuades you to believe is the beginning of destruction. But this morning, we have learned, you know, from last time, that we will not buy the devil's lies. Because what you buy, you make concrete. What you accept, you make reality. We learned that the word believe, the word trust, the word receive, the word accept, the word obey. They mean the same thing. That's a simple truth. From the scriptures, I don't know from any other way. In fact, you know, it's so important, I need to emphasize that the word to believe, let me say believe, accept, receive, trust, obey. And you know another one, love. You know they all mean the same thing in the scriptures. That's why you can get born again by believing in the Lord Jesus. And they say, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest requirement? Love the Lord thy God with what? All thy heart. He said, those that trust in him shall be saved. As many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the son. They all mean the same thing because anyone you do, you do the rest. If you believe, you will trust. If you trust, you'll obey. So when I believe and I'm not obeying, I'm deceiving myself. When I say I love, and Jesus said to us, if you love me, do what? 
keep my, he didn't say, if you love me, feel butterflies for me. Praise the Lord. No. He said, if you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. Okay, but it's so easy to say, I love the Lord. How many of us have seen people who make excuses for their lifestyle? You say, even though I'm living like this, I'm living like that, I know I love the Lord. Have you heard people say something like that? You see, they're being deceived. They have entered into a world where they're separating things. You can't love the Lord and not keep his commandments. Praise the Lord. So we learned all of that, but Gideon, we see him living in the reality he believed. Threshing wheat in a wine press. But thanks be to God. Thank God for his mercy. Praise the Lord. Even in the wine press, God found him. God will find you anywhere you are in the name of Jesus. God sought him out and sacked him out. The Bible tells us the great tree belonged to his father. The angel of the Lord went and sat under the great tree as a witness to prove to him that the devil has lied to you, but I've come to bring truth and illumination. Anyway, God said to him, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And you know the conversation that, you know, Gideon went to and said, if the Lord be with us, on Wednesday we dealt with that, you know, why are all these things not happening and all of that. But this morning we want to go forward and see. So we see in our account here that after he had received the angel of the Lord with the offering of the goat and the um, bread that he made, this night, that very night, the Bible says, the Lord came to him and said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. Build an altar to the Lord your God there on top of this rock in proper arrangement. One of the first things that caught my attention in this passage is the word proper arrangement. You see, I think it's Pastor King that shared a few weeks ago, I get connected, I can't remember, that God is a God of order. You know, oftentimes we imagine that, you know, because of the greatness of God and his power, he does not follow protocol. God follows protocol. You see, after all the convincing of Gideon that you're a mighty man of valor, you see God coming down to the basics, giving instruction. Let me hear you say instruction. I think it's Proverbs that says the wise man loves what? Some people don't like instructions. I wish the Bible, you know, had just told us in the life of everyone you see mightily used by God. You will see instructions. And it's so easy to tell these stories and jump these instructions and just emphasize on the wonders and the wonders. But if you don't follow the instructions, you will not experience the wonders. Praise the Lord. A few weeks back, we looked at Elijah and we saw that after the prophets of Baal had wasted their time, he went and took stones and repaired the altar of the Lord that had been broken and set it in order. If he didn't do that, no matter how he himself would have cried, fire would not have fallen. Because God is a God of principle. Praise the Lord. So instructions came to him that night. And another thing I find in this story is the detail. As I was reading it, it meant the Lord was saying to me, I know every detail about your life. Praise the Lord. Look at that. Please look at that. He said, take your father's Take your father, 25. He said, take your father's young bull. The second bull of, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? God didn't say find a bull. I want you to get something from this. He said, take your father's young bull. The second bull of what? Seven years old. God knows the age of that problem you're going through. God knows every detail about your challenge. God knows the time that they've given that if this time comes, nothing happens, we'll do so. And God also knows how long you've been disobedient to him. He knows your resources. You know, as human beings, we are full of excuses. 
Okay, we are very, you know, we, we can tell each other person's stories. Ah, you know, I would have loved to come to your house, but I'm busy. I'm busy watching, I pray nobody here watches Big Brother, but I'm busy watching Big Brother or Telemundo. You're not busy, you're just, you're making excuses. I don't come for midweek service because I hold meetings. The meeting you're holding is with you and your phone and CNN. You're not holding any meeting. But you see, you make that excuse to man. Man, it stands before man. But God knows what? The details. God knows the, the Spirit of God said, tell them I know details. Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old. So when we gather in church and there's a call for evangelism or for funds to support God's work or to do one thing or the other, as you're making excuses, know that God knows what you have. And that's why men often resort to manipulation and trickery to get responses. Every time there's a need in God's house, you know what? Before the need arose, God had provided. Because God will not demand of a people what he has done. When he said to, to Moses, ask the people to bring their gold, he knew there was more than enough. In fact, that principle is established through scripture. Anytime the people are willing, there is always more than enough. It's never as a result of not having is as a result of thinking God does not know what you have. Praise the Lord, somebody. God knows your ability. God knows the grace is given to you. God knows the gift is given to you. God knows the position that he has put you in. Anyway, so it says, take it, cut down the wooden image that is beside it. You see what is happening here? We looked at Jeremiah. Um, I think it was last month we looked at Jeremiah. And the Lord said, I've anointed you to do what? To first pull down. So God was going to begin a walk with Gideon. Now, can God ask Gideon to carry him and his presence and do what he wants to do? Whereas the altar of Baal is in his father's house. Is it possible? No, God is a jealous God. So God said, first of all, if I'm going to move in, into your life, into your house, into your family, into your finances, into your affairs, what must you do? He said, you must pull down the altar of Baal. Interestingly, you know, God miraculously could have done that. There are some things I wish God would do miraculously, but he expects me to do them obediently. Praise the Lord. God expects that we make room for him. In the book of Revelation, the Bible says, our Lord Jesus Christ, he stands at the door and he's knocking. Can't he break the door? He can break the door, but he's knocking. He wants to be invited. Praise the Lord. So the altar bow. Gideon had to tear it down himself. And God knew he could. But you know what, people of God? It wasn't an easy task. Praise the Lord. It wasn't an easy task. There are sweet parts of this story. But there are realities we must confront. The Bible says in verse 27, he was so much afraid of the men of the city to do it by day. Now what you are afraid of does not excuse you from doing it. You find a way. Because anything a man really wants to do, you know what? He finds a way to do it. He finds a way. He finds a way, yes. Gideon was so afraid. The night God told him, he didn't wait till tomorrow. He was afraid he did it that same night. And the Bible told us why he did it in the night. He was afraid of the men to do it by day. So what is it that you're afraid? There are, you know, there's what they call them remedial options. So you can't do it this way. Do it the other way. Praise the Lord. You know, the world today has made the devil to become, you know, more versatile and easy for him to do all kinds of things. But you know what? It's also easier in our time also to obey God. 
You have relationships that you don't like. Before, you had to tell somebody, I don't want to see you again, isn't it? Or you write a letter. Now you can send a text. You can block number. Praise the Lord. Now there is remote control. If you're watching the television and something pops up that you don't, everybody here, his television has remote control. There was a time you had to get up to go to the station and change it, Abby. So life is easier in a way. Praise the Lord. Whatever it is, you can do it. Even if you have to do it afraid. But we see this that Gideon was expected. And you notice God gave him this instruction and step back. Beautiful story would not have been this beautiful if Gideon had not obeyed God. We receive grace for obedience in Jesus' name. Now, next passage here from 28 tells us the consequences of his obedience. Very important now. It says, when the men of the city from 28 arose early in the morning, there was the altar about turned down and the wooden image that was beside it cut down. And the second bull was being offered. It was burning on the altar. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, that's Gideon's father. They said, bring out your son, that he may die. Because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash, Gideon's father, said to all who stood against him, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for Baal be put to death by morning. If he's a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been what? Turned down. You see, what, what I want us to see from this part of the story is that what you are afraid of, God has you covered. Did you see how all that tension does? Who would have imagined that his father, the owner of the altar, would now respond to the people, would you plead for Baal? The Bible says wisdom is better than the weapons of war. The man didn't fight them. He asked them a question. If the God they are worshipping, okay, if the God they have been worshipping since, a young boy came and put it down, is that the type of God you want to fight for? If he's a God at all, let him kill the boy now. And all of a sudden, illumination came. And they stepped back. What is that to you and I? The consequences that you're so afraid of. That you're shaking because of, you know, at the thought of it. God is ready to back you up. You see, with one instruction, with one news, he turns everything around. Praise the Lord. That thing that is paralyzing you. You know, some of us are in situations where God has told you, go and do this. And you're saying, ah, if I do this, this will happen. That will happen. That will happen. And that will also happen. And that will also happen. Why don't you prove God? Praise the Lord. Why don't you do what? Prove God. I don't know if I've told you this story. I think it was Pastor Mecca that told me this story. He said a man was driving, you know, in a city he wasn't very familiar with on the road. And, and had a flat tire. And realized he didn't have a jack, you know, to change his tire. So he noted that not far from him, there was a big mansion. And he said to himself, okay, let him go to this house. Surely they'll have cars. And surely they'll have a jack to lend me. So he got up and started going to this house to borrow a jack. But as he was going, he said to himself, he's very sure that if he knocks on this door, they will open and look at him and say, who are you? Where are you from? And he'll say this and then say he needs a jack. They'll tell him, my friend, get away. You think we're here to attend to all kinds of... So he was meditating on all this. When he finally got to the door, he knocked on the door and they opened the door. He just slapped the person and turned back. 
He didn't ask them. You know why? He said, all these things they would have done to him, let him just even deserve it. You know? But you see, it's funny. Do you understand? But do you know, many of us are living our lives like that. There are possibilities. But you just magnify the negative consequences. You're owing somebody. Every time you can't sleep because you're owing the person, you won't answer his cause. Why not instead of not answering his cause, take a, a, a peace offering? Even if it's gala, buy gala. Tell the I'm so broke that I can't even eat. But please receive this offering to show you that in the heart of my heart, the day the Lord prospers me, I will pay you. But you block his cause. You dodge him. You tell him all kinds of lies. Go and meet him. Praise the Lord. The truth is this. You meet him, he can slap you, he can detain you, he can arrest you, but he can't take away the fact that you came to meet him. And that is what God wants you to do. Praise the Lord. Isn't that what he said? He said, if you have a matter against anybody, he said, go and reconcile. Why are you running it? What's your plan? What, okay, what are your options? They call you, cut his call. You see him coming, you dodge. How would that help you? Because you have presumed him wicked, but you don't know. Why don't you go, if you, you know, someone said, I think my in-law, my in-law said, if you don't make a request, the answer is already no. If you don't make an appeal, what you already have is no. But if you make an appeal, there are two options. Is it that yes or no? Praise the Lord. So in this case, we see that what Gideon feared didn't hold water. His father didn't even call him and say, you small boy, what's wrong with you? Why did you? No, the father just, all of a sudden, the spirit of God gave him wisdom. And he said, if Baal is a God, let him fight for himself. And that was the end of all the chaos. Some of us are in offices. Some of us are in situations where God has told you, this is what to do. And you're busy every day. You're calculating the consequences. Didn't the Bible say he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear? But with every temptation, what will happen? He will make a way of escape. So if God gives instruction, please, I beg you, Leave the consequence, at least hope to say, you know, imagine to say, well, God, I obeyed you and see what they have done. But you know, God will never allow you to get to that place. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise Jesus. So Gideon obeyed and this was what happened. And that's how that case died. That was the end of it. Gideon moved on. God said, okay, I can take you more seriously now. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. But I don't know how that scripture applies when men do not follow God. Because the Bible says, can two walk together unless what? They be agreed. So I don't know. I don't know. We've looked at that here at, at one of the midweek services. At analyzing that very particular statement. It was Paul that said it concerning the children of Israel. But the way men apply it today, I really don't know. Because the Bible is very clear. It's very clear. Two cannot walk together Unless what? They be agreed. God must get you to the point. He can woo you. He can be patient with you. He can create allowance for you. But you must agree. If not, you know, he will be unjust. He will be unrighteous. You must say, I am ready to go with you, God. And then he will supply all the help. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, the next part of this story, very interesting one, which, you know, is um, a part of, Query and um, interest for a lot of young Bible scholars. Is a fleece. 36, let's read it. So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand as you have said, Look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and it is dry on, on, on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand as you have said. And it was so when he rose early the next morning, 
and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. Praise the Lord. What do you think about this? Is it right to test God like that? How many of us had pondered on it before? How many of us had had it, you know, taught and explained before? Okay, the first thing we must note as we look at it is this. God did not rebuke Gideon. Okay? God didn't tell Gideon, are you crazy? Who are you, you know, to ask me? And he didn't do it once. He did it twice. Okay? So there must be something, something, something much, much deeper. Now, Gideon had gone in the night in obedience to God to tear down the altar to Baal. So what do you think is Gideon's heart towards God? Is it a heart of distrust? A heart of trust? Heart of trust. You see, God, whosoever comes to God, must believe that he is and that he's what? A rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God, we've been learning now, is good. Praise the Lord. Let nothing make you, let nothing make us imagine that God is less than good as he is. He is too good. Praise the Lord. God is a good God. He's principled, but at the back of it, he's good. Praise the Lord. Surrounding him, he's good. Inside of him, he's good. Now, a man had gone in the night, taking a risk, and tore down his father's altar to bow, the community's altar to bow, at the risk of death. He now asks you, please, almighty father, can you make this fleece to have water and the ground not to have water? Which of us as a father won't do that for our children? Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, the thing about faith is in the character of God. What God was showing us here was his character. He may not like fleeces, but for this boy who has stepped out on a limb for him, he will help him. Praise the Lord. He will help him. He knows how immature. He knows how far he has come. And he's ready to lead him by the hand, just like every one of us. God is father. He's almighty God, but he's also what? A father. No, no parent here teaching his child how to ride bicycle. Will the child fall on the bicycle and you'll beat him? What will you do? You'll pick the child up and hold the, you know, the, the handles and help him to run, isn't it? That's what God was showing us there. You know why? Already, already there had been established confidence, love, submission to God. Let me show you a scripture in John 7. Come with me to John 7. John 7, 17. A very important scripture that helps us to capture this. Because somebody might live here today now and say to God, is it Johnny of Diamond Bank or is it uh, Jimmy of uh, NMPC? And you throw up paper. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Okoko will answer you. The one from your village. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Listen to what he says here. If anyone wills to do his will, if anyone wants to do God's will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. Now, here Jesus is speaking concerning his doctrine with the children of Israel. 
you know, the Jews, the Pharisees were questioning him. But Jesus was making a very important point here. He said, if you want to do my will, you will know more. You will know more details. You will get more information. You will know whether I'm the one you will know. Gideon already had wanted to do God's will. Praise the Lord. Give us the amplified version of that passage. And let's read it together, please. Seven. Everybody, let's read. If any man desires to do his, in bracket, God's what? Pleasure. He will know, have the needed illumination to recognize and can tell for himself whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking from my own. But the point there is this. In any situation, you really want to do God's pleasure. And you know God knows your heart. God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knows when we are playing tricks. Many times when we are asking God, show me your will, it's because we don't want to do his will. And we want to present ourselves as confused. Do you understand? <laughs> okay, we've talked about forgiving this. Let me talk about this one now. You're owing somebody 100,000 and God blesses you with 80,000. You say, God, is it your will that I pay this person part of the money? If it is your will, let him call me now. If it's not your will, let me... Hey, okay. The person won't call you. God doesn't engage in that. You're doing why you will continue with your way. He said to the shrewd, he shows himself shrewd, to the forward, he allows the person to continue. You see, God deals with us on the deepest recesses of our heart. Gideon had desired to do God's will. And God was willing to back him up. If we read on that story, you see where God had told Gideon again, if you're still afraid, I'm going to expose you to my intelligence report. He said, I'm going to send you to the camp of the Midianites. And you'll hear their dream. Why? Because God knows that Gideon wants to do his will. You see, the Christian work is a very dicey work. Praise the Lord. Very dicey work. You know why? You see, remember, you are gods. And that's very true. Praise the Lord. You are gods. What it means is that you can call your own shot. Let nobody deny you that. You can call, if you have raised children, you know, who have gone from infants, you know, to toddlers and all of that, you will know that you can't control anybody. Because God gave man the right to make their choices. Praise the Lord. Now, where does God reserve his own supreme sovereign authority over your life? Is in the principle of what? What a man sows, that he shall also reap. So you're God and you're free to choose. But what you choose, you will live with. That's the way it balances it out. So many times we're in situations and we are thinking that God will arrest me. God will detain me. No, God allows you. Because the consequences of your choices are for you. Some time ago, the way the Lord was ministering it to me was that on this earth, you remember when God created us, you know, on this earth, he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have what? Dominion and all of that. And he put us on this earth. Now, when man fell, there was redemption. And because of the destruction or the curse on this earth, there is a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord. The Spirit of God was saying to me that every one of us, for this period we live on this earth, you know what we're doing? We are designing how we will live in the new world. Do you get what I'm saying? No, no, let me explain it. You see, on this earth now, you can decide how many of us seen the man that said he just, when he feels like killing a woman, he will just take one of them to the hotel and just kill him. Isn't it? Uh -huh. He has made that choice. 
as long as the law and whatever allows him. He's doing it. But you know what? He's making a decision of what he will live with in the world to come. Everybody on this earth is building a house. You're building circumstances. You're building scenarios. You're building where you will live. Let nobody deceive you. Nobody escapes. Everybody enters. I get in what I'm saying. Praise the Lord, somebody. Everybody enters. Let me help you with some illustration. Jesus told us the parable of the talent. He said to the man whom he had given ten talents, he said he had been faithful, what? Over little. I said, I commit to you, what? Ten cities. What has he said? He said, on this side of eternity, you have handled what I gave you. You have created for yourself prosperity and wealth in the next one. The one that did nothing with what was given to him, he said to him, you're going to be gnashing teeth. Everybody is creating because we are gods. The same way God created this earth. You and I are creating our world. Now, in the short time we spend here, we create circumstances for ourselves. Like in our marriages, we create it. In our homes, we create it. In our offices, we create it. You know, but some of these things, we are not, we are not fully harvesting the import of what we are creating. Because in this world, there is still, you know, violence is still permitted, disobedience is still permitted. But in the world to come, when every one of us takes the last breath here, the first breath you are going to breathe is going to see what you created. That's what it's going to be. That's why the Bible enjoins us. You see, there's nothing wrong with being rich. But it says, make sure you're rich where? Have your treasures where? In heaven. Where moth and rot and thieves don't break it. It's good to be rich here because if you're rich here and you're wise, you can be richer in heaven. Praise the Lord. But also, don't make excuses for yourself if you're not rich here. You know why? Because you can also become rich in heaven without being rich here. How? The Bible says be rich in good works. Be rich in faith. But if you're poor here and wickedness fills your heart and envy fills your heart and jealousy fills your heart and complaining and murmuring fills your heart, you will be poor here and then when you get there, you'll be poorer. God forbid. You understand what I'm saying? If you're poor here, it's an occasion to be rich in faith. It's an occasion to be joyful. Mom, she told me the story about some colleagues she had in the university the, the lady had, you know, I think a bad hand, right? Bad hand. You know, this lady will wash for herself, study, do everything. You see, you, you, whatever situation you find yourself in, you can call it an excuse. You can use it and make an excuse. But you can use it to challenge yourself. Another story she also told me about a man that, was, that lost his father. He was disabled. Disabled man or boy. You know, and he really wanted to go to school. So he braved to go to this university I met a lecturer and said to the lecturer, please, this is the situation. Unfortunately, my father has died. Is there any way you can help me? I want to be educated. He said the lecturer looked at him and asked him a question and said to him, on your way here, what did you see? He said, how? He said, what did you see? He said, I saw people, I saw taxis, I saw students, I saw, I saw beggars and all of that. The moment you mentioned beggars, the man said, that's right, that's where you belong. Now, the man could have gone and said, okay, that's where I belong. Let me go and become a beggar. But he refused. The same boy went and struggled and graduated in the same school with a first class. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because you are God. You see, no matter where and what God has put you with or without, you are still a God. And you can create your environment. How many of us have friends 
that, I mean, it's not right to use such words, but unquote, you may say, these friends may not, you know, God forgive me for even, may not be your class, but you love them. You know why you love them? They are rich in something else. But some of us have friends that want to be our friends, that are very rich. You avoid them because they, they display just, they irritate you. You manage them. When they speak, he, you just, they just have such something wrong oozing from them. Poverty lack is not an excuse. You're a God. Praise the Lord, somebody. You're a God. Whatever, you're short, use it. You see, spiritual people must understand this. Very important. If you look to the external, you play into the hands of the devil. The, the Apostle Paul says, though Paul, what are we doing? We are making many rich. Paul was in prison and he was writing to us that are free. He said, rejoice. And again, I say what? Rejoice. He wasn't in prison. I say, all of you that have forgotten me. All of you. I can see you. Eh? You are there enjoying. Do, do you hear people say that? Ah, you are just enjoying. You forgot. Don't say that again. No. Because you don't know. That person that you think is enjoying needs your mercy. Miss your prayer, miss your help. Because see, once you're saying that already, there's already envy, you know, oozing slowly. Ah, he just enjoy, you've forgotten me. Who is he? If he remembers you, what will he do for you? Eh? If he remembers you, what will he do for you? The Bible says exaltation does not come from where? It doesn't come from Abba, neither does it come from Abba Tete. But God is what? The judge. It's God that lifts up a man. When God turns your situation around, those who have forgotten you will remember you. It's natural. Don't just shout because we also do that. You know, a friend of mine was made MD the other day. I had to send him a message. I realized that I'd never sent him a message. But do you blame me? But you see, this is human nature. So why struggle amongst men? Turn your gaze towards God. The Bible says, it says, he that goeth, you know, bearing precious seed. With tears, the part I want to get is tears. You see, seeds that are sown in tears are powerful. Because tears water. You don't have, pray for those who have. Pray for everybody. You know, some people come to church, they can't wait for the day God will bring down the rich. There is no guarantee that when God brings down the rich, they will lift you up. Maybe God brings down the rich, there won't be money to buy diesel. Let God uphold them, but let God also lift you up. God is not restricted. Praise the Lord. You see somebody that is very beautiful and attractive, you say, who knows whether she's really born again. Haba, is it not God that made her? Pointed nose, do they make it in your village? <laughs> Everything anybody has is what? I, I mean, no, I, I'm saying this serious. People finish themselves. You're just envious, killing yourself, you know, frustrating yourself. Look at them. Who even knows whether they're serious? <laughs> Who knows whether you, you're serious? You understand? Okay? God is showing to us here from this story. I look at the heart. And I pray that the Lord will heal our hearts. Everyone amongst us. Because we see that what Gideon did. Let me give you another illustration from the New Testament. Thomas, Thomas, John 20, 24, 24 to 29. I, I won't read it, but I refer it to it for you. Thomas, they said to Thomas in 24, we have seen the Lord, he appeared. Thomas said, unless I put my finger in his wrist, 
and on his side. I will not believe. That's what he said. Do you know that people simply for saying to Jesus, I will follow you, but let me go and bury my father. He said to them, let the dead bury the dead. He was not patient with them. People said, I will follow you. Let me go and bid farewell to my family. Jesus said, he that lays his hands on the plow and looks back, is not fit for the kingdom. But here is a man saying, unless I put, I will not believe. And Jesus was patient with him. You know the difference? Obi, the heart. May our hearts be healed. May our hearts be healed. Spirituality is in the heart. It's in the heart. So this man was testing God. God was playing along with him. It's not like your child. The other day, I think we were at the embassy or somewhere, and a child was slapping the father, and the father was laughing. Let that child become 17 years old and slap the father. You know who will be laughing? It's hospital that will be laughing because they'll make money. You know, but you see, this is a child. So God knew that Gideon, you know, please, okay, let's play along. Let's play along. Because the heart was right. What am I saying? Don't test God. But if you trust him, he will guide you. When you really want to do is, he'll guide you. If you have, in the situation I gave now, if you have Jimmy from Diamondback and Johnny that teaches in a model primary school, and two of them are coming for you, you're asking God's way. First of all, pray that the Lord will remove the measurement of Jimmy's car and his salary and his office and see both of them as ordinary children of God. If you don't come with that sincerity, you see, you can't go to God. You have already made judgment in favor of Jimmy. How many of us are people met for counseling and we're waiting for it to just finish and agree with what they came with? They came for it to advise them, but they've decided what they want to do. They just want you to navigate so that they can say you told them to do what they had already wanted to do. Praise God. So, so the heart is important. So fleeces are not the issue. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Do you want to do his will? Are you coming to church and saying to God, speak to me and I will obey? When you come with that attitude, God will surely speak to you. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, so we go to chapter 7 now. In chapter 7, we have the first statement that says, um, verse 1 says, Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them, by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel claim victory or claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaiming the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people return and 10,000 remain. We see something happening here. Gideon was going against a host. Let me show you the number of this host. Verse 12 of 7, please. Verse, verse 12, uh, Judges 7, 12. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, these are three nations. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and the Chinese, because I think, I don't know, Chinese today are how many billion people? Uh, so you can imagine their number then. The Midianites, Amalekites, and the people from the east were lying in the valley as what? Numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand by the seashore in multitude. What the Bible is saying here, they had become uncountable nouns. This was the enemy, or these were the enemies confronting Gideon. 
And Gideon was able to get 32,000 men. And God is saying that too many. Make we go home. 32,000 men against uncountable. And God is saying that too many. People of God is called God's arithmetic. He doesn't act like man. He doesn't act like man. God can accomplish his purpose. The Bible says he's able to save by what? By many or by few. It's just his choice. If God were not with us, we can count only numbers. And that's why when we analyze the situations in our lives, and especially in this country, if you're not careful, you can faint. Our problems are numerous, uncountable. Where do you begin to count? Ordinary youth service that owing salary. That's if you get job. Then you get job, VAT has been increased. You have business, they've started charging commission. Do you understand? Our problems, are, I mean, these are on the surface. Deep issues all over. But you see, we are not alone. God said to Gideon, these people are too many for you to fight and win. Is that what he said? No. He said, these people are too many for me to give the victory. When we understand that victory is of the Lord, the Bible says the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but what? Safety is of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. Safety is of the Lord. It says time and chance happens to them all. And we see this as a pattern in scripture. Every time it looks as the people of God are completely overwhelmed. That's when God shows up. I'm expecting God's intervention in our country. In the name of Jesus. And for your life and your situation, let me tell you, God turns things around. Your situation can change, sir. Not with corruption, no. Praise the Lord. Oh, yes, your situation can change. We saw the little girl that was driven away for not paying. No be shy, no go pay. No be shy, no go pay. Okay? So, she, <laughs> that was her problem. She now has US and UK offering her scholarship. She don't cross who. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is mighty. Let's put our hands together and celebrate the Lord. He's a mighty God. He changes times and seasons. He changes situations. He changes testimony. He changes stories. He turns things around. He's God Almighty. He's God Almighty. Praise the Lord. God does not have to wait for the odds to be in your favor. He's God. He doesn't need odds. Men need odds. What do you have going for you? God is actually looking for all that is going against you so that he can gain glory over them. Praise the Lord. So 32,000 were too many. Look at the instruction that God gave to him. Say, announce to them, verse 3, whoever is fearful and afraid, this is very important. He said, let him turn and depart at once. And with this 22,000 left, let me show you something. Our time is gone, but because many don't come for midweek, I, need, I have a responsibility to teach you some of these things on a Sunday. Deuteronomy chapter 20, very, very interesting account. Note it, please, if you're not taking notes. When you go home, read it. If your Bible has a subtitle, it will be called Principles of Warfare. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 from verse 1 to 9, we are told the principles that God taught the children of Israel concerning battle. He says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, he said, do not be afraid of them. Why? He said, for the Lord your God is with you who brought you from the land of Egypt. He says, so it shall be when you're on the verge of the battle that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And what will he say to the people? 
He said, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let what? Your heart faint. Do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to do what? To fight for you against your enemies to save you. Then the officers will speak to the people again and say, What man is there who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man dedicated. Six says, Also, what man is there who has planted a vineyard and has not eaten of it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there? He's betrothed to a woman and has not married her. Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man marry him. The officer shall speak further to the people say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. And so it shall be when the officers are finished speaking to the people that they shall make captains of the armies to lead them. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. This is a spiritual principle that any one of us in leadership, whether in your office anywhere, you must take it and imbibe it. What God is saying here is this. If you're not ready to go full in this matter, turn back. You see, um, one of the things that confused me in mathematics, you know, was how you can say 10 times 10. Help me, let's do mathematics. 10 times 10 is what? 10 times 2 is what? So the number increases, Abby. But anytime you do 10 times a fraction, the number reduces. So give me 10 times 1 over 5. Anytime you multiply a number by a fraction, it reduces. Anytime your heart is not fully with something, you diminish that thing. Is somebody getting something? This may help you understand me. I don't look for fractions. If your heart is not somewhere, better don't be there because you'll be reduction. Notice that the captain did not say if you're not strong. If you don't know how to shoot the arrow. If you don't know how to handle the bow. That's not the issue. If you're fully persuaded, God will use you. But if you're double-minded, they told us in the New Testament, what will happen? He said, God will spew you out. That's what he was saying. That's what God did with Gideon. He said, everyone whose heart is not fully in this. At the end of the day, we know the story. He got 300 men and there were enough. Let me tell you, a church of 30 people who are persuaded is more powerful than a church of 3,000. Who are, divide, who are double-minded. I feel for people who look and count 700 are with me, 7,000 are with me. Because amongst that 7,000, they are fractions. You bring them, they diminish. You bring them, they diminish. They are the ones that when you finish talking, you say, ah, what did they say? Your church, or what did they say? Eh? That's how they will, they. But every day you go there. Fractions. You think you have 100. And then you multiply it. And they say multiply it. This person, ah, this person is 1 over 3. Before you finish multiplication, you're 33. But someone was added to you. He said, let them turn back. It's a principle of warfare. At the end of the day, you have 5 men. Or you have 4 men. It's better you have 5 whole numbers. Than you have 50 fractions. It will only be reducing. You know why? God can do with any. To us... What people have outside is their resource because we feel they got it. But God said, the Bible says, what do you have that you did not receive? So God only, the only thing about you, sir, 
The only thing about you, man, that God didn't give you is a right heart. You have to decide to honor him. You have to decide to be fully persuaded. It's a choice. That's what he opened to Adam and Eve. He said, you have to choose to worship me. You have to choose to obey me. I can't force you. That's the only thing you can bring to God. Every other thing, you have a billion, sir. God gave it to you. You can preach. You can walk, whatever. God still gave it to you. But your heart is your own. And that's what God counts. So we look at that story. After Gideon sent back those who were fearful and faint-hearted, some people were still there, 10,000. Interestingly now, you see, the, let's say the 22,000 that left are those who are more sincere. I'm not with you, I did go. But 10,000 still remain. You know what God said? I will test these ones for you. It means that there are some that will keep saying I'm with you, but they're not with you. May the Lord help leaders. It's not easy. In front of you, ah, let's go, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind you. Mm. It's God that tests such people. Out of 10,000, when God tested them, how many did he find? 300 only. And God said, with these 300, who are fully with you? I will give the victory. Child of God, do not be excited or, or de-excited. <laughs> okay? With the things that are happening around you. We are learning from this story. Praise God. That God with you is what matters. The beauty of that story is how the victory was won. You see, 300 men were armed. You know their arms? They were armed with trumpet, a pitcher, a verse, with torch, with light inside, lamp, you know, whatever, light inside. And they were asked to go around the camp. At the signal of the commander, what do they do? They break the pitcher and they blow the trumpet. They did not kill anybody. The Bible says this number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. You know what they did? They got up and the Bible says the Lord turned each man's sword against his neighbor. Christ on our faith. God knows what to do to change your circumstance. How would he have imagined... How do you defeat an army of one million? How do you defeat an army in numerous? But you see, no matter their number, if everybody kills everybody, their number will be material because they will eliminate themselves at the same speed. I want somebody who came to church, the Lord said to tell you, before you started, I already know what to do. I already know what to do. The burden you're carrying, what you came to church with, the circumstance, he says, I am the Lord. He says, I am, tell them I am Jehovah. The word Lord says, Master, I am in control and I know exactly what to do. I know what to do to give victory. I know what to do to bring healing. I know what to do to bring peace. I know what to do to change this nation. I know what to do. I want you to lift up your eyes to him and begin to place your confidence in him. Begin to place your faith in him. Begin to place your expectation in him. Tell him, you are my God. You are the Lord. And you know exactly what to do. Exactly. Whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, you do know what to do. Concerning my life, Concerning my body, concerning my healing, concerning my ministry, you are the Lord. And I surrender. I surrender because you know. 
You know, you know, you know what to do. Settle it. I, I want you to lift up your hands to him as a sign of surrender. You see, every surgeon, every surgeon, no matter how skilled, no matter how experienced he is, cannot perform surgery on a body that is moving. No matter how skilled, no matter how powerful, the surgeon is. He cannot carry out a successful surgery on a body that is moving. The body has to be at a point where it's totally submitted to the knives of the surgeon. This morning you came to church and the Lord said to tell you, I can handle it. I can handle everything you've come with. I already knew what to do. But do I have your surrender? Do I have your heart? Do I have your yieldedness? Are you totally in my hands? Do you say yes? Do you say, Lord, have your way? Do you say, Lord, speak and your servant will obey? I don't know where you are. I don't know what exactly it may be. But I want you to cry out to the Lord today. Because the solution is with him. The problem is not a problem to God. He is almighty God. From your heart, I want you to commune with him. From your heart, I want you to commune with him. And somebody's in church this morning. The Lord said, pray for some people for rededication. Let them live this life as my own. They want to surrender their lives. They want to be today yielded people of the Lord. Surrendered. He said, whosoever comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You came to church this morning and something is saying to you, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You have led your life. You have handled your life. Excuses, different things, reasons. You have made defenses. But this morning, you've heard that God is looking at the heart. And you want to say to the Lord, take my heart. I surrender to you. Anywhere you are, you can raise your hand. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.